welcome to Alvarado on Action, a podcast that's all about Mac football and not Mac football. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, we have a two-part, uh, two-parter episode coming up right now, and helping me out to preview the NFL draft is uh, producer Scott and previous guest and current friend still, uh, Caleb Carter. Guys, thank you both for for joining me on. Yeah, no problem. Still a friend, huh? See how long that lasts. <laughs> we have the NFL draft that we're going to talk about. I'm going to break this up into two episodes. So today, Sunday, sorry, microphone. Today, Sunday, you're going to hear uh, six players in the NFL draft pool from the Mac that we're going to talk about. And then on Wednesday, we're going to have four more guys. And then plus, like, kind of like the best in the rest deal. Uh, we have these listed in order by, I have a big board, so to speak, that I presented to both these guys that we're just going to go right off of. Um, pretty much goes from guys that I think have the best chance at, you know, making an NFL roster, get drafted highly. And the guys at the end are probably closer to the uh, undrafted free agent range. And that range might actually be like kind of top two, but who knows? Um, so we're going to go off that. Scotty's going to read off the list for us. And as we go on with each player, we're all just going to kind of talk about them and see you know, what we thought about these Mac players at the time that they were at their Mac schools, how we kind of see their futures going forward. And yeah, I mean, anything else that comes to mind, uh, pretty self-explanatory, I think on that end, uh, Caleb or Scott, uh, do you guys have any comments about, you know, this Mac football draft class as we enter draft week? I know that talking about Mac players in the draft is never, you know, a great conversation, especially when like all the hype is geared towards first day, like Mac players hardly ever see that. Um, but still, there's always some sort of excitement for, you know, these guys making surprises in the draft weekend and then, you know, having some sort of professional career afterwards. I mean, like, I guess I'm not, uh, it's not that every year there's a high Mac draft but I feel like there's usually a a high end type dude who has the potential and it could be going pretty high. Obviously we've had, uh, if we talk about, it's hard not to talk about the Mac as a week considering how much we talk about the Mac. Right. Uh, Eric Fisher going number one, Corey Davis going top 10, um, other offensive linemen going relatively early, Mac Sharping going in the second round. So oh, right now I think, yeah, like there's obviously one guy that uh, comes to mind who could go on day one, but I feel like there's there's usually somebody who could go like first round and there's not that person this year so mm-hmm. I mean it's it's not really a, ba- a bad deal like a lot of these guys might be in a position to you know surprise at a camp and yeah, I mean we'll see there's a lot there's a lot to talk about with these dudes so a couple of them I'm pretty excited about that I feel like aren't getting much recognition so it should be fun to talk about yeah absolutely um all right well with that said uh Scott Let's hand over the thing to you. I'll let you present the first player, and we will go from there. All right, we're just going to be pretty straightforward with this. We got Alex's big Mac board. I mean, I think it was uh, a McDonald's uh, 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 play out uh, here. I've never had so, a Big Mac. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Anyways, let's skip forward. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, number one is wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. Guys, let's start with our guest, Caleb. Well, uh, I think Alex and I both this year spent about as much time talking about Eskridge as nearly anybody else in the conference. And for good reason, Eskridge 
showed out in some big games, some big performances, really after going back to wide receiver full time after, you know, the previous season, spending more time as a defensive back. And it's obvious that his pro potential is higher as a wide receiver, really explosive, short receiver. If you look back at film from the Toledo game, you'll see the types of eye popping type plays that really do make him a high end type wide receiver prospect, somebody who could get involved in special teams as well. That adds value to where, you know, maybe he goes a little bit higher because of that. Um, his options are there. Say something doesn't work out immediately in the NFL. He's somebody that he's not going to go away right from the get-go. Say he doesn't make the team out of camp or like, which it would really surprise me, frankly, but even if he doesn't find the fit right away, he's too skilled that if he stays healthy and gets in an NFL system for a few years, he's going to be productive somewhere. So pretty excited to see where Eskridge goes and who's, who's really, um, you know, interested in using his skill set. Yeah. He's not, but like, it's interesting though. Cause like, he's not coming into this season. I didn't think that he was going to be the Mac receiver um, with like a senior season that I thought would be better than whatever other receiver we've seen come through the Mac. Like, I didn't think that he was going to be, he was going to have like a better ceiling than like Roger Lewis. You know what I mean? I didn't think that, he was even going to have a better ceiling than his own teammate, Corey Davis, or even Titus Davis, you know, like D Eskridge is phenomenal. He's a great sprinter. He's, he runs a four, three, uh, pretty much has been running that ever since he was a teenager. The athletic did a feature story on him this past week. And they talked to his coach in Bluffton, Indiana. And he said that, yeah, I met him in eighth grade and he was long jumping 21 feet. Like what? <laughs> What? As a middle schooler? That's and like you said, absurd. Caleb, he, I'm sorry? So that's freaking absurd. Yeah. And like you said, like he did spend time, you know, on defense because they tried him out as cornerback. They knew that they had this elite athletic runner who was pretty skilled as a football player but didn't know if those are best served on defense or offense. Uh, by the time his fifth year rolls around and after – you know, through a pandemic, we find out that he's actually a very good receiver, not just a guy who, you know, makes good plays and then runs really fast af afterwards, but he runs through catches. He runs in the middle of the field. He makes good football plays. He's a really, really good dude. I don't think he'll be a first rounder. I don't know, maybe a second rounder. Definitely a day two, though. I would definitely, definitely say he's going to be a day two guy. Yeah, and I feel that it you know, he's a guy that somebody's going to take a chance on a little bit higher than maybe a lot of teams are projecting him at. Because if you're looking at receivers who can, you know, with a little bit of a little bit of work and a little bit of time in the system that can contribute maybe year one, year two, I really think Eskridge has that athleticism to be able to do that. And he, a lot of a lot of people are enamored with like catch radius and how where guys can get balls and. Again, I'm going to point you toward the Toledo film and look at where Eskridge caught one particular ball toward the left sideline late in the game to set up uh, one of the more important scores in that Western Michigan win over Toledo. He isn't, like again, a huge dude, doesn't have long arms, but he can, he can move his body. He can contort his body in the air. He's athletic and coordinated enough to finish catches on balls that aren't thrown perfectly. So that's another that's, thing yeah. that's going to play out in his favor. Yeah, yeah I'm 100% with you there. And, like, even like plays like that, like he can take off on slant routes, you know, like plays that maybe should only get you eight yards. He can take for 84. Um, yeah. I, 
he there's so much that you can say about him. Another thing that we can say about him, Scott, you and I were kind of talking about it before the show. Um, his height, he's only five eight and a half, basically, and that's that's surprising. Like you you would have to tell me that he's five eight before I would actually believe it because on film he just looks like he's a six footer. Yeah, I definitely thought he was a little bit taller than that, and I just I read on the sheet he was five eight and a half, and I was very very shocked. Like Caleb, what do you like? What did you think? Did did he look like he was a short guy? Because I kind of like recognized him as a shorter guy, but mostly because I followed him as a high schooler out of Indiana. But well, I know he, I knew he was short, but I mean, you're looking at guys like Jalen Hall by comparison, and knowing that like, oh yeah, he's significantly shorter than that dude, but not that it shows up much from the production standpoint. So, you know, he creates separation. He runs relatively good routes. It's You look at his wingspan and his arms, and I'm looking at that yeah. now, and he's got, like, of all the uh, guys, wide receiver guys, it's, like, the shortest wingspan, the shortest arms, and maybe some some people will grade him out worse at that. But I, I don't know. I think the one knock might be can a guy who relies on – who. I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to say if he just only relies on speed, but somebody whose primary uh, pri- primary like feature is his speed and his breakaway ability to have to be able to play on the outside. Like, can you expect that of him? They're gonna an NFL team would have to use him a little bit uniquely because they're not gonna line him up at an X or a Y necessarily and just have him run deep routes. Like they gotta they gotta be creative creative with him, and that's why. I feel like every team fantasy or every fan fantasy books like who they would love to see in an offense. And so in my mind, I'm, I want to see, Oh, Eskridge with the chiefs with that creative playbook. Now that would be fun. And there's other teams I do that with right now, but like the chiefs are like one of those teams like, Oh, I don't know if they need a wide receiver. They obviously need offensive linemen, even with the recent trade they made, but they, I also think they traded some away their uh, picks to go get Orlando Brown as well. So. I'm not projecting him to the Chiefs, but I'm just like fantasy imagining him in that offense in my head. Uh, but we do have, uh, you know, you, me, and Scott are both Lions fans. Caleb, you're a Bengals fan. We would all want him on our teams, though, right? Like, I, I don't, I don't think I would question that too much. Oh yeah, I mean, the, if I'm looking at the Bengals as a Bengals fan getting the guy getting a ball on short routes to Eskridge and just watching him run with it. Yep. I'd have, I'd enjoy that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree as well. Number two on the list, we have tight end Quentin Moore's from Bowling Green. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah. So this one was, was kind of weird for me. Like after, after one on my, my big Mac board, ha, 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 uh, it's, it's kind of hard to like figure out like what, the the definitely next up on the list guy is going to be uh Quentin Moore so I I think that there's a lot of potential for a guy like him especially at that position in the way football is moving where uh big guys that can catch hey that's a concept uh is kind of cool especially out of that position Morris has you know he's moved from receiver to tight end uh he's done okay for himself at Bowling Green. It's just kind of hard to like judge how good or bad anybody is when nobody can get the ball coming from the quarterback that they had in 2020 or really any of the offenses during his time. Um, But still, he was still pretty productive, had 13 touchdowns in his first three years played, Um, you know, had some catches here and there, played full season since 2017. Uh, He's 6'2". 
decent wingspan, nine, 79 inches is pretty good. Uh, runs a runs a four six forty. Someone's gonna like that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the guys I've actually been higher on for a while, just because you see the measurables and you see how he moves as a tight end. He used to be a wide receiver. That was more primarily what they used him as, and really his body and his skill set works a lot better for the way that Alec, like Alex said, the tight end position is changing to in the NFL. And he never really had a you know an offensive system that worked to benefit him and show showcase his skill set. So he still managed to score uh, to score. He still managed to rip off some some uh, fun plays in the. I already forget which what 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 was the postseason game? Was it the Senior Bowl he made or? One of the yeah, the he, he was in the recent senior bowl. Uh, yeah, so senior he, game apparently. Yeah, so people in football definitely knew he who he was. Mm-hmm. And he made a really nice play in that game, if I remember correctly. He hurdled the guy. Wasn't that the senior game, right? Oh, I don't remember. So there, there, it was either that game or a game late in the season, but I believe it was a senior bowl. He had a chance to to make a play that kind of popped some people. And and sorry for people. <laughs> People, I am unintentionally using like wrestling terms today for some reason, which is the way I describe athletes when they excite me or or impress me. So, yeah, I mean, you'll see from film, like, you know, he's his body's under control. He's a big dude. He has good measurables. He's got a 34-inch vertical. He's got big hands. He can block. Dude's going to, you know, find a spot somewhere. I don't yeah. know where he's going to get drafted, but. Yeah, I wonder if he can he's NFL gonna be block, on the roster though. somewhere and the price that's something yeah, I do wonder if fair. like he can block at the next but, level. And, and then one thing you'll see on film and like Alex has film pulled up as we're watching this. And one thing that strikes me again, and just reminded me was you can flank him out. Like something you see Travis Kelsey do, you can flank him out just on the short side of the field and have him go one-on-one and he's going to be bigger than most. He's, he can use his body against even big NFL corners and he's going to have a pretty decent athletic, not advantage, but just, He's going to be in a good place athletically against a lot of really high caliber NFL defensive backs and linebackers. So I really do think he has the potential to make a roster and actually contribute. Uh, he, he, again, he's just got to find the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, like in those personnel groups, like it comes down to, you know, how much flexibility does he still have from being a receiver too? Um, and if he can win those matchups just on those key points in athleticism, yeah, I'm with you that that's where some plays can open up for him you know, not just as a blocker, but like, you know, as a receiver, because that's, that's why they moved him there. Like they, he was a big, he was a big guy already. So they were like, you know what, put on a little bit more weight. We'll turn you into a tight end. It'll work out for you in the end. So far, so good. Um, But yeah, like I said, I hope that he can prove that he can block at an NFL level. I don't know if he's totally there yet. I mean, he's second on here, Um, but yeah, Morris, Morris is definitely a guy that I would have to look out for. Yeah, let's move on to number three. We have Malcolm Kuntz, defensive end out of Buffalo. I mean, Caleb and I, we've talked about him plenty of times. I thought he was maybe the best defensive player um, that Buffalo had heading into the season. Didn't 100% like wreak havoc in his, se- in his uh, senior year, but still he's a really good defensive end. Uh, it's a uh, like I, I know that, like, as a whole for the NFL group, for the NFL draft class, like, edge is a deep class, but it's not the most top-heavy like we've kind of seen over the past few years. So we don't know where exactly in the middle that that Koontz fits. Um, 
he'd be higher up if I were more impressed coming away with the senior season is all I'll say. But still, he's he's a good athlete and he has the versatility to be, you know, probably that the edge guy in a in a three four system, though. Caleb, what did you see out of Koontz and where, where's your uh, where's your pulse check at on him? Yeah, I, I think that 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 description of him as the three four edge guy is probably the most accurate. And that's where I've seen analysis about what his upside is. I mean, I think I saw Mel, it was Mel Kuyper was really high on, on Koontz as well. But that was okay. That mock draft was, that was weird. Cause they had him as the 40 something pick, but he was still Kuyper's 20 something defensive edge. Like that does not make any sense <laughs> yeah. to me. I, yeah, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and r- try and grapple with that. Project, right. Right. But, it's just one mock draft. But, <laughs> but uh, I'm more interested in like the actual analysis, like when, when they actually talk about the player, like that means more to me than the numbers of where they project him to, to pick. And like, you know, he's a smaller guy, but for them to talk about him like that and uh, just have, you know, using describing words <laughs> that sounds stupid, but as like an, uh, somebody, when you have analysts who don't just use platitudes and lazy language and they actually expand their vocabulary to talk about what, a guy who might've been slept on because of, you know, playing in the Mac, you, you can tell that they're actually excited by watching the film. So again, size wise, don't really know if maybe it works because he could work playing a three, four outside type deal, stand up line or stand up like linebacker defensive end type, but he has that potential. I, I think he, he could be one of those guys that once he gets on a roster, he really finds his role and can excel in more limited snaps. So not, you're not going to see him out there like 70% of the snaps. I think if he's playing, um, they're going to use him in a more specific role, either pass rusher or, you know, being using his athleticism out to left and right. He's not really going to be as worried about playing downhill and stopping the run as much as they need him in maybe more third downs or a different type of scenario against certain types of offenses that like to like to get wide and use their speed. So I think that's where his potential upside could be. And, you know, I think we're, we are, we are looking at a guy that as high as some people are on him, he could be third round. He could be fourth round. Yeah. Um, do you like what percent chance do you think you would give him that, that teams would wait until he's like a undrafted free agent? Like what percent chance does he go undrafted? I'm saying. I think there's a small chance. There's a, there's a, there's a chance. I'm not even going to say small chance. Uh, because there are plenty of guys who, you know, people talk themselves into being excited about them. And then when the draft comes, nobody picks them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just like, oh, we like this guy. Oh, we like the upside of this guy. Um, or we like what this guy work, what, what this guy gives us the opportunity to do. And Coons could be one of those guys where, because he didn't show the production this year, you know, they just kind of, he just kind of goes, gets lost in the watch. And then he has a chance to pick a situation where maybe it works for him. But I do think that. If I had to guess, I still think he goes in like early fourth round. Uh, yeah, I I personally would probably go later on him. There's there's just some plays where like I feel like like 2019. If you would have asked me how I felt about him, 2019, I thought that he was a very active guy. You know, didn't have any passes defended yet. He got some of those more in 2020, um, but he caused three fumbles. He got into the backfield a lot. Had 11 tech, 11 and a half tackles for loss, a bunch of sacks. Uh, that the last thing I said, that was still true in 2020, but, you know, in watching some clips 
of his 2020 film. Like there's just times where, you know, if the ball is just, if the play is just a little bit like on not his side of the field, he's not going to go chasing after it too much. He didn't seem, I don't know. I'm not going to say lazy. He just looked a little bit bored out there and didn't finish plays the way that I would have liked to this year. And like I said, didn't cause enough havoc for me to keep my eyebrows raised like they were at the end of 2019, but um, definitely someone to keep an eye on. I would probably venture to say he might be like a sixth or seventh round pick, but that's just my guess. Um, Sure. And I think that's entirely plausible too. And like, I mean, I mean, I'm look, I've been spending a little bit of time looking at Koontz's because I don't really know exactly how to feel about his, where he could go. And I, and I've seen some people say, you know, he, you know, edge rusher who can use his size, but he uses it in short bursts. Mm-hmm. He's not going to use it sprinting all the way across the field. Like you've said, he, there are questions about his motor and you're not, you're not, you're not like imagining things. Cause that's not the first time I've heard that. Uh, but but again, like he's, if he gets put in, you know, he gets, he actually gets drafted to his fit, then he's going to probably make a roster. If he doesn't get drafted to his fit, then I have, I have doubts about whether he'll make it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with being a role player. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So at number four, we have cornerback Antonio Phillips out of ball state. Yeah. I have him on here at four though, because you know what? A lot of, at some point, a lot of these guys are going to have to like wait until special teams or have to like really make a roster via special teams. Phillips, though, I could see him actually making an NFL roster as a defensive cornerback. Uh, he's pretty skilled and he seems pretty smart out there and has a lot of experience, uh, a lot of game experience, most importantly, um, and didn't disappoint in 2020, really. So, yeah, I think if anybody helped their chance to be a pro among some of these guys, I think. Phillips probably had the type of final season that really pushed him in that the, the trajectory he experienced. He probably helped himself a lot more than a lot of other guys. I would definitely have some other guys on our list higher than Phillips because I don't necessarily see Phillips as like an NFL starting cornerback. And I don't really see a scenario where he is, but I mean, I still see him as a guy who can make a roster specifically as a cornerback and play some years there. I, I guess I just don't really know what it is Phillips excels at and what is it that scouts are looking at and going, wow, we need that on our team. Um, because he might've been fast for the Mac, but is he, what, what difference does it make if he doesn't possess something superior in his skill set that sets him apart from other cornerbacks? It's just like, yeah, he was a, he was a good college cornerback. I, I don't really know that anything about him is like, wow, I'm super excited about Phillips. Mm-hmm. maybe he's going to be a serviceable pro. Maybe that's what he just, maybe that's what people see though, that he's just, Oh yeah, that's going to be a serviceable dude. He's going to, he's going to fit in somewhere. And I'm sorry to use the word fit so often. It's so easy to fall into that trap, but maybe that's what they see in him. I don't, I don't know if there's something else to be more excited about than I'm missing. No, no, that's all totally fair. Yeah. And like, he didn't like, I'm trying to look at his pro day results, but he didn't do all the, you know, all mm-hmm. the things like he doesn't have a 40 time. So we don't really have anything to go off there. Don't have a board time, don't or board uh, broad jump. Don't have a shuttle time. Don't have three cones. So it's kind of hard to get a feel for all of his measurements if we're just looking at Mac versus Mac competition for essentially seventy percent of his resume. Um, but I mean, even in the shortened season, he still had more passes defended than he did last year. 
still had two interceptions, was just still really good. Um, and, you know, he was obviously one of the senior catalysts that helped get Ball State into, uh, you know, get his first championship in, what, 20 – how long was it, Caleb? Like 24 years? It was the early 90s, uh, 93, 94, something like that. 1993 or so. Um, yeah, but no, I, I don't know what one th- – I don't know what his best part about his game is either. I think it would be – Questions, questions. <laughs> I'm just going to say physicality because it makes him sound better. <laughs> He's got that killer instinct. Killer instinct. <laughs> sure, in, in some sense, uh, having – one guy of a group of really high caliber senior athletes at Ball State, and only really this guy being the one who goes to the NFL, he's really betting on himself. And somebody's told him that he should be a pro. And either that or just like the dream of wanting to be in the NFL is winning out. And there's really no shame in that at all. He's won a championship. He's got a degree. Go go freaking pursue your dream. So I do hope this is going to work out for him. I still don't know what his best features are, but I am interested to see – because I don't think he gets drafted. So, yeah, I, I'm mostly just curious where he stands there. All right. So, number five, we have running back Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. Uh, am I too low on here? Am I too low with, with Jarrett Patterson on here? Well. Hmm. Someone's going to be pissed. Like, if he if he's not the <laughs> second name heard, someone in New York's going to be pissed. Oh, uh, well, Bulls fans like to be pissed, so it's okay. Uh so he got the Barry Sanders comp. Uh, how much are people going to hold on to that? <laughs> That's uh, it's just that he's short and he can make cuts. There's not yeah. really there's not really much else to actually compare between those two. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're completely different football players. Patterson, I feel like is going to get drafted late because somebody can see him as their backup running back, who's actually going to make a lot, who's actually going to produce a lot over their career. Uh, I also made the uh, comparison that Alex was like, what? He's not that fast, was Darren Sproles. But I also lazily made that comparison, I think, because he's short. And I think Patterson actually has a, a role in as like a backup running back. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't want to say change of pace because that's kind of another thing people say to say that somebody's fast. Mm-hmm. And though he is fast north to south, Patterson's primary really like his – strength is his ability to just avoid and this is like i think that his primary strength is his ability to avoid full contact he can just you know slightly left to right slightly uh stop on a diet or stop slow or slow down a little bit you know and really what he does is just doesn't take full-on hits Mm -hmm. and even when he does get hit pretty hard he kind of just doesn't lose momentum and it's pretty fun to watch so He's played in an offensive system where he's been able to get downhill pretty easily um, and not, not as much left to right as, as he is just getting, getting down toward the line of scrimmage. So I am pretty excited to see if he can be a guy who produces consistently for a long time, or if he just, you know, or if he's just borderline not there. Cause I, I, I I'm on the side of thinking he's going to produce for a team in the regular season. He's going to find his spot, but I do see where the shortcomings are that he might not. So, yeah. Yeah. I think where I get weary on him is that he benefited in like 
so hard from having played in one of the easiest divisions in the sport. Sure. Like played against Bowling Green a lot. <laughs> played against Kent State's defense, which ain't that good a lot. Uh, Miami's pretty good, and he performed against them, which is nice. But um, I wonder, like, you know, all like the cuts and, you know, all the small things, all the little detailed things that you can do to avoid and get away from tacklers and defenders. I wonder how much of that actually translate because he just saw so much Bowling Green defense. You know what I mean? Um, and I know, and he wasn't actually that great against Miami either. So there's that there, too. Well, there was all well, one game I'm looking at um, in 2019. He had 22 carries for 183 yards. It's an average of 8.3. But that was also the game that, yeah, well, no, that basically was- like Kyle Van Tree should have started anyways. And yeah, it, it was just an ugly game. Yeah. Um, it was this, it was this year was the Miami game where I think he only had about yeah. 70 rushing yards or so. Yeah. And then the, well, no, Ball State. Well, yeah, he had the Miami game too, but Ball State, um, like he only had like, let's see, I think he only had like 90 yards against them. Yeah. I, I'm still confused by Buffalo's like offensive game plan from that game. And then, the defense didn't help things for the bulls in the championship. So I ain't going to, I ain't going to fault Patterson too much for that game and getting banged up too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, yeah, if he would have stayed healthy too, that's another thing. Like, you know, it would have been nice if he could have been like healthy enough and good enough for that. Um, it was Charlotte, right? That's who they played in the, the bowl game. No, they played Marshall. They played Marshall. They played yeah. Marshall's really, really strong defense and, with Patterson not playing, Marks ran the ball like 35 times for 130 yeah. yards or whatever. And uh, I, it's this is a conversation for another day, even though we do think I do think that Kevin Marks is an NFL. He actually is the potential NFL type change of pace back yeah. for his skill set. And, he, and we've talked about it before where he doesn't have the upside of Darren McFadden, but you look at him and you see the way he runs. And I think Darren McFadden. So mostly for his size and his build and the way he runs. So, but I think next year we'll have like a good idea of like how much better Patterson was in that system based on how Patter, how based on how Marks runs there. Mm-hmm. But I still think that Patterson has run in the type of offense, not so much against the types of defenses, but it is run in the type of offense that is going to work out when he gets to the NFL, it gets to an NFL camp. I think he's going to look good right away, no matter where he gets drafted. I if he so. gets drafted, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, and like the running back class, it's not like it's just hard to kind of figure that one out because like it's not like running backs are going to be drafted in the first round that much, one at the most this year. But like, and even then, like there's still plenty of good running backs that decided to come out for the draft. Like Chuba Hubbard's pretty comparable, um, but he even him like he's going to be off the board before Patterson. And I still think Hubbard might even be like a round five deal, like a round four deal. So Patterson, even though he was halfway to a 2,000-yard season last year, we're still probably going to have to wait a long time before his name's called. And you know, that's my view on it, though. Uh, I I think – yeah. I hope he can impress as a receiver, too, because we've talked about this before, Caleb, where, like, he's in a system where they run the ball two-thirds of the time. They don't throw the ball really much at all, and when they do, it doesn't go his way a ton. But when it has, it's gone pretty well. Like, he's shown that he can, you know, he can have soft hands and he can still be the same guy to evade tacklers as he is when he's, you know, carrying the ball. 
but I don't know how much of that, like, like I keep saying with all these guys, I don't know how much of that will be able to translate in the NFL. And I don't know if he can do it at that speed yet. Uh, but he did run a four, five, uh, well, four, five, nine, 40. So. Yeah. It's, it's his, he's not going to blaze past defenses. That's not going to be what anybody expects of him at the NFL level. I think if he's the type of guy who can run for come into the game as a sub every other run, six or seven or eight yards, I think that's actually where his upside is. And there's nothing, I think that actually would work pretty well in his favor and make him serviceable for more than just a few short years. Or if he actually did have a Barry Sanders like career, that'd be a, that'd be a cool alternative. Listen, if it, all of a sudden he starts do, like being able to, you know, make people, their souls leave their body with one juke, like every time he runs the ball, then yeah, sure. We'll, we'll take that too. Yes. We're at number six. We're at number six. Uh, I'm sensing a little bit of steam here. We have Buffalo wide receiver, Antonio. Nunn. I, I like none more than I thought I would. I like none a lot more than I thought I would. Um, like I kept saying with Patterson, didn't play in a system that would go towards none's favor. Um, but in those one third of opportunities where they did throw the ball, they went to none a lot the past couple of years, especially after the departures of Anthony Johnson and KJ Osborne and Charlie Jones and someone else I'm blanking on, um, Tyler Mabry uh, a couple of years ago. None's shown up to be the go-to receiver for good reason, not just because they didn't have anybody else, but he is a pretty talented receiver. Uh, he's earned his snaps by being a good pass blocker as a receiver or a run blocker as a receiver, I should say. And even on contested catches, he's pretty good about being very handsy for the ball, not just, you know, going up and trying to use all, I don't know what he is, like 5'10", probably. Let me look this up. Do, 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 do. Yeah, 5'10", 5'11", I should say. He's not just body catching him in his chest. He's got good hands. So, um, yeah, I am curious to see how – how none can be in the pro ranks. I don't know if he can make a roster right away, um, but he's someone that, you know, he's good enough as a football receiver to where if he can figure out all the rest of the things and prove that he can still run black at an NFL level, he'll earn some snaps at that, you know, at that level. Yeah. I will. I will add that. I think there's enough guys in the NFL in recent years that have proven you don't need to be, a game breaker type to really excel at wide receiver in the NFL guys have really started to find their places, even after like less stellar college careers than what Antonio Nunn experienced. Nunn's used to being the feature receiver in the offense for two seasons now, two or three seasons now. And I mean, basically since uh, KJ Osborne and, and uh, Deontay, Deontay Johnson or, or no, Anthony, uh, Anthony Johnson, goodness. Um, Ever since they left Buffalo, Nunn's been the feature guy. And wherever he goes now, he is not going to be that guy. The attention's not going to be on, hey, we have to stop Nunn. Like, he cannot have the ball. So he, I, I do not expect that he would go anywhere and be, like, wide receiver three right away, wide receiver four right away even. I think he could, he could be in a situation where he's got to f- go through a few teams or go through a few camps before he really maybe year three, year four – can settle in and really find his spot. So I do think he is a guy who could play at the NFL level for a few years um, and do it in a very specific pass catching role 
maybe in the middle of the field, maybe just, you know, as like the team's like number four, number five pass catcher. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to sneak up on people and whether that, you know, (laughs) works out long-term form or not, we'll see. But I do think he is going to be in the league for a few years. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Yeah. I don't, I really don't have too much other than that. I'm done, honestly. Like, like, I mean, like, I, I think I just wasted all my breath on him. Like, I like him more than I thought I would. Has some good skills. I just don't know if he has the measurables for it. I mean, we're just at that ranks where, you know, and he might even have to be at that level where he has to find a new football position for himself on special teams. Like, I don't think I don't think I've ever seen him on special teams. I could be deadly wrong. I don't know who's on special teams other than like three <laughs> people at a time, ever. Yeah. Um, I don't really see him as a special teams guy either. So yeah. I'm not. I don't know that there's going to be much from there. Right. All right, I've got to cut off the episode right there. Thank you for enjoying the first half of my NFL Draft preview with Caleb Carter. Part 2 comes out Wednesday, so make sure you're subscribed to the pod so you don't miss that when that comes out. Patreon supporters, however, already have access to the full episode, Parts 9 and 10 combined, that I've done with Caleb. So if you want to hear the whole thing, go ahead on Patreon, throw me a few bucks, and you can listen to it right now. And you can also get the show notes that I used that Caleb used that Scott used to record this so you know it's a good time you know I would I would definitely definitely recommend it of course I would recommend it but with that said thank you for listening and hopefully you come back and listen to part two where we listen to players uh listed numbers seven through ten plus best of the rest from my big mac board thank you so much again for listening have a great one